what are you willing to allow in? What are you not willing to allow? Are you, if someone is an energy drainer, for example, maybe you're able to steer the conversation to things that are more um, outside of the things that you disagree on so that you can make that interaction more comfortable. But it's really hard because I think once we get into those situations, sometimes it can be hard to actually just automatically navigate that because you don't know what the other person is going to do. You can only control your actions. And so that's really what it comes down to is knowing that the only thing you have control over is how you show up. Hey, I'm Megs and welcome to the Free To Be You podcast. I am an identity and alignment coach who is passionate about helping you move into the second chapter of your life as the freest, most self-expressed version of who you really are. If there's one thing I know for sure, it's that when you decide to go on this journey and rediscover you, you are going to need people around you who are going to encourage you to keep moving forward and keep choosing yourself. I have created a free community of women who are doing just that. It's called the Freed to Rediscover You group. It's over on Facebook. The link is in the show notes below this episode. I would love to see you there. I would love to support you on your journey to moving through self-abandonment and into full self-expression. My guest today is Leslie Gaudet. She is a motivational speaker international best-selling author and self-care coach for female coaches and course creators. She helps her clients prioritize self-care so that they can wake up with more energy, focus, and intention to tackle their daily activities and serve their clients with confidence. She believes that making self-care a priority will give you the confidence to dream big and bring your dreams to reality because you will be in alignment with your purpose and the life you want to lead while using your time to your advantage so you can move in flow, creating and designing a life you love living. Leslie, welcome to the show. After reading your bio, it is very clear to see why I'm very happy to have you here talking to my audience today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Yes. Well, we have been planning it for a while, so I'm glad the day has finally arrived. And obviously, like leading into the end of the year and we're heading into the holidays. So, I guess a lot of us who get a little bit anxiety, a little bit anxious and a little bit of anxiety sort of moving into this part of the year because it's stressful. It could be stressful for a lot of reasons. Uh, so I know we're going to have a, a, a really lovely chat about that today. But before we do that, I'd really love for you to tell us a little bit about who you are and why you do what you do, a little bit about your story so we can get to know you. Yeah. So thank you so much for that. Uh, I am. A wife of over 27 years to my husband, Ray, and uh, it's not always been easy, but it's been, it's been enriching because part of my journey started with self-development, starting with self-development allowed me to uh, really nurture my relationship with him. I have been also in law for over four decades and I segued into being a consultant, if you will. I still support a team of lawyers and paralegals, but that's now on my time. And what I found about that is it opened me up to some time to figure out what I really wanted to do, what my passion was. And my passion became self-care. 
And as you had said, I do work with female uh, coaches and course creators, but I also work with female entrepreneurs and their and with small teams because I feel like self care really should be uh, embraced as a wellness from the inside out mentality for anyone in business. And so, for me, the how I got there was it started as I said I've been in law for quite some time, and I started to feel burnt out beyond what I'd normally felt. And as you get older, I mean, when I was younger, I was always, I was fine. I felt like the hustle and grind, the the go, go, go. That was just normal for me. Yet, as I started getting older, I found that I was starting to dislike the long hours. I felt like, chase if I wanted to to make more money or to to move up the ranks, if you will. I had to work a lot harder. I had to work longer hours. And then some of the the dynamics of working in law, some of the um the roles shifted. You know, people were starting to double up on roles. And so the the job description started to change and the just the whole um, environment started to change. And that really started me down this road of, I don't know if I really want to do this anymore, but I didn't know what else I could do. And I spent 10 years of my life really feeling trapped in a life that I didn't love. And I didn't know what to do about it until finally almost hitting rock bottom, if you will, kind of like a rock bottom moment when I turned to my husband one day and I said, we need to make some changes because if we don't, I don't know if I'm going to be here next year to be talking about it because I truly felt I was on a fast track to a heart attack. That's how how much it was really getting to me, the long hours, um, the commute to and from work, bringing work home with me on the weekends, having really no quality of life, uh, no time really to spend quality time with my husband. I was too exhausted by the, at the end of the day to really even have any meaningful conversation. And when I did feel like I wanted to have more of a, of a better relationship with my husband, like spend more time with him, I was always approaching him from my, I call it the wounded self. I was always emotional. And I knew it was because I was so unhappy with my life. And so in the moment when I said to him, let's make some changes, we decided we were living in California at the time and we decided let's move to Las Vegas. Um, I know a lot of people think Las Vegas, oh, nightlife and all of that, but it really is a lot more than that. You know, the strip is just part of it. Uh, but you know, Las Vegas is beautiful. The, the surrounding cities around Las Vegas, really gorgeous. And so we decided we were going to move. And I took a leap of faith, gave my my job at the time two weeks notice. And I said, we're leaving. But then proceeded to figure out how could I still serve them online? And so that's kind of like how it segued me into having more time for myself. And then I went down the self-development journey, which led me into being a coach. So that's kind of like how I got here. And why I do it is because I want to teach other women the importance of self-care to take care of you so that you don't uh, either go down the road of burnout or you so you, you avoid it altogether. Or if you've been there before, that you can you can course correct and, and not have to go through it again. Mm, yes. Wow. Such an interesting journey. And so many of us face those moments in our life where we're unhappy. And we don't really know what we want instead. 
So sometimes the question that's easy to answer is what do you, what don't you want? And so one of the big things with my podcast and the work that I do is to help people answer the question that you just told us about. It's like, who am I? And what do I want? And when some the sad part is I've had so many conversations with women over the years and, you know, through my coaching, but just even in different roles that I've had where I've worked closer with people, where you say to them, like, you ask them who they are or what they love or what they want and they can't answer it. They always have like a deer in headlights, like delay before they answer. And I've even had women break down trying to answer that question, realizing how unhappy they are in that moment and not being able to know what to do. And so that is definitely a fast track to staying on, you know, on a path you're not happy about. It's a fast track to exhaustion for sure. Uh, But I love your story. I love how that naturally transitioned into something that you now do and you now love. So I think you're a perfect guest to have on the Free To Be You podcast because I'm all about answering that question. If we don't answer that question, what you do in terms of self-care, super, super important for people to understand where they're headed. So what I would really love it is if we could dig in before we go into our main topic today, what do you, when, because when we say self-care, most people are going to think, oh, I'll go, you know, I'll go and get my hair done or I'll go and get a massage or I'll go and get my nails done or do something for myself, which is the obvious, right? But it's more than that, isn't it? So, like, tell me a little bit about what you feel self-care is and your perception of, you know, the bigger picture. Yeah, I love that. What you said, those, I call them soft self-care essentials of taking care of the things that are feel good, you know, honoring yourself, celebrating yourself, if you will, with the the mani-pedis, the massages, the lunches with your friends, buying yourself something nice. Those are all celebrations of self, but the essentials, what I call essential self-care tools are things like learning to say no, you know, that powerful little word that can help you to protect your time, to protect your time around the things that you do, to protect you from saying yes to all the things that don't really align with your life, uh, to asking for help. I used to think that asking for help was a sign of weakness. So I, I often would, and I'm not talking about in, when I was working in corporate America, asking for help, of course, was was a natural for me. But when it became entrepreneurial, asking for help, that's where I struggled. I felt like if I asked someone for help, they would think I was an imposter, that I wasn't good enough, that I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I don't know how. Uh, so it was, I really had to learn and dig deep, uh, to understand that asking for help really was a sign of strength because it allowed me to get other people's perspectives that would maybe help me to have an aha moment that I was least expecting, but was, you know, beneficial. Uh, another one would be, which I think is really super important is taking mental breaks, uh, taking mental breaks throughout your day. Because if you're, go, go, go. Like as I was in corporate America, I was working 15 hour days straight without taking breaks, you know, maybe a minimal of, you know, half an hour here uh, for the entire day. I'd work through lunch. Uh, and 
I couldn't, I, my brain felt like it was going to explode. I, I felt like I, that's why I felt like I couldn't think about what I could do differently because I felt I didn't have control of my thoughts because it was so much clutter in there from everything else. And so I felt that's why I felt trapped for so long. So taking mental breaks is important because it helps you to recharge, to rejuvenate, right? It gives your brain time to digest what you've, as I would say, fed it. It's like you're feeding your brain when you're working, when you're doing something, when you're learning. And so those are my top three. Um, to round out the top, to, there's two more really that I think are really important. Number four is having a hard stop. I really, really think that having a hard stop to your day is so important. Uh, if you work late into the night, a lot of women I've talked to work late into the night, sometimes into the wee hours of the next day, and they try to lay down to go to sleep right away afterwards. And it's really hard for them to do that because they, as I said, fed their brain. So their brain cannot shut off. It's like monkey mind while trying to rest. And so I help them, you know, for to to recognize that taking that time to wind down allows your brain to start to shut down. Not shut down whereas you you can't, you're not cognitive or aware, yeah. but it's uh, but it's shutting down so that you're not processing information. You're allowing your brain to just start to rest and relax so that you can set yourself up for a good night's rest. The last one I like to, uh, I like to do for myself every day. And I encourage anyone that I work with to do is to end their day on gratitude. Now, of course, I like to start my day with gratitude, but I really think it's important to end your day with gratitude through finding things that you're grateful for every day that happened that day. And I, I have a gratitude journal and I write five different things daily, what I'm grateful for. That helps you what I call to anchor into in celebration memories, because those memories, you know, we, as I, we live in such a world where it's, we have a check, a task list and we're checking off the boxes and we're moving so quickly that we sometimes forget what we've accomplished. So we're not celebrating those moments. And then when we get stuck somewhere along our journey, we forget that we've already accomplished so much. And those things that we've accomplished can help us to move through some of those more challenging things that are coming our way. So having that gratitude practice at the end of the day also helps for a good night's sleep. You know, science is even proving that, you know, grateful people sleep better, you know. So uh, I found that it works for me. I found that it's working for the women that I've worked with. And uh, so those are like my five. But there's obviously more things around self-care that are essential. I really, I just truly believe that when we take care of ourselves the best that we can, then we're getting the best of ourselves. And then because of that, everyone in our life and everything we're doing is coming from that place. They're getting the best of us as well. Mm, Gosh, I am glad I'm recording this and I get to listen to it back (laughs) and I get to give it to my listeners because I should be taking notes there. Oh my goodness. So many good tips. And that's the thing that I've always found with this, like taking care of yourself. It's like, we need to figure out what that is for us in like those soft ways. But these are essential, such a good way of putting it, such a good way of putting it, especially the hard stop. That's a good one. And when you work for yourself or you work from home or, you know, you have something that you're passionate about, it's hard to stop. And so you think because you're excited and you're inspired that it's okay to keep going and just work, 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 but it's not. 
And interestingly, I think that, you know, one of the things where I found uh, exhaustion kick in for me was you mentioned imposter syndrome before. Like I have always found that I wanted to please everybody else and make sure everything was perfect. And that's what led me to overwork. And if anyone questioned anything, I felt like I was going to get found out. Do you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. there was this constant anxiety around pleasing people and making sure everything looked good and was, you know, running well. It's exhausting. It's such an exhausting way of being. And these things that you've just described are so the answer to that, along with a lot of internal self-discovery, which is obviously where I come in. But, oh, my goodness, such great tips. So one of the things that we talk about a lot on this podcast is bringing ourselves up, obviously, uh, to show up for our family and be the best we can be. And when we can do that authentically, you mentioned it a second ago, the people get the best of us, but we actually get to enjoy it. And so one of the things that we were going to talk about today is leading into, you know, some of the bigger holidays of the year where people have a lot of expectations around how things are going to go. And they're not just managing our own expectations, but our families and our extended families' expectations of us and the event. So when we say the event, I mean like Christmas, New Year, all the things. So how can we prioritize ourselves and be mindful of the things that are going to come up for us as, you know, nurturing, loving women for our families uh, as we move into this part of the year? Yeah, that's a great question. And as you were asking, I was thinking about one of the things I think is really important. And I and I started actually thinking about it when I was younger, you know, still living at home. And I I remember asking my mother around, uh, you know, around the holidays, wouldn't it be great if we could just spend time together and not make it about the presents, the, the gifts? Because things over time, they lose their luster, if you will. They, they're, they're not, you don't even probably will remember something that you got 10 years ago, unless it's something you still have and you absolutely loved it. It was something that you, you know, you needed that you at the time and and it's you know it's still part of your life. But I think for the most part, I think when it comes to that gift giving, it's just it becomes more about how can I get them the best? How can I get them the best gift? And that's where I think that becomes a stressful time of year for parents, especially, you know, moms being nurturers. And I'm not saying the dads are not nurturers, but I know with moms being, you know, women have that nurturing nature to begin with. And I think too, that it makes it really super hard if you cannot give maybe your children what you think that they want and what they, what they really need is the quality time. But we think it's the gifts. It's, we think it's all of these the presents under the tree, you know, as many as possible. And I know what that's like. I mean, I used to have that mindset thinking I'd go Christmas shopping. And then after done, you know, and I had time left over, I was thinking, well, maybe I didn't get enough. Maybe it's not good enough what I did. And so you get that whole mindset of like, well, what if it's, what if it isn't good enough? What if they don't like it? What if, you know, they're thinking like 
why did this person buy me this thing? And I started going down that rabbit hole and I had to stop myself. And I think part of that, what was, what really helped me with that was once I got married, my husband and I started moving to different places. And once we started moving more frequently, that meant we couldn't take as many things with us. We found ourselves downsizing quite a lot. And the last three years, uh, almost three and a half years, We've really been down, uh, downsized to, we have really two suitcases each, of, which of clothing wherever we go. And we have some other items that we, we have because we've been driving. So that tells you we have some things, but everything we own can fit into our car or into our, our van, or I should say our SUV and a, a U-Haul, a very small U-Haul. That's our life. But I'm okay with that. Because I'm about collecting experiences. And so when, so what I would say to parents is that where are the holidays are, are showing up? And this is where you can start beating yourself up. Like, oh my gosh, there's all of these commercials coming at us with all of these new things out there. And the kids are saying, I want this, especially if you have young children. And when does it become more about the quality of time you spend with each other? You know, when can it become more like as your children, when they would bring you their masterpieces from grade one into kindergarten, you know, all of those younger years where they were so proud and they, and they presented it to you and it wasn't expensive, but to you, it was priceless. So when did it become more about how much money we spend and how, how great the gift is when the gift is you, the time with you? And so when you are taking care of that and you're understanding that quality time spent together is way more important, that can then teach you that, okay, if quality time is way more important, how can I be the best of myself showing up to those moments? And that's through taking care of yourself. That's through the self-care. And so, and I'm sure you can agree with this. If you, if you don't fill your cup first, if you will, that's what we say, then you're you're serving from an empty cup. And the more you serve, the more you're siphoning off your own energy. If you take care of yourself first, everything around you benefits. So I don't know. I hope I answered your question a little bit. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, we're just getting into it, right? Like, I think that's a big thing that our our expectations of of how people are going to feel about our gifts, our expectations of how we're going to make them feel. Uh, it's all about everyone else. And as the kids get older, the gifts get more expensive, <laughs> which is obviously a, a thing as well for some a lot of us, right? They want bigger, better, bigger things and more expensive things and they need different things, but they still want our attention and they still want that quality experience of, you know, sitting around at the table and having a laugh and a conversation and the food and the, that's what they're going to remember. Well, that's what I remember. So yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And uh, in terms of uh, how that shows up for them, it's, it's like if that's the experiences that but we're creating and the ones that they're going to remember, then that's good. there's going to be a flow-on effect in when they start to create their own experiences for their own families. 
And that's a big thing too. It's like being that example for them. Yeah, I totally agree. And that's for me the same. I look back and the things that I remember is our family and our friends, you know, having, you know, the, the week up to and the week after Christmas, we're all together and just having, you know, laugh, having a laugh. We're just enjoying each other's company. That's what I remember. I couldn't remember one gift that I received during you know, growing up, except maybe a couple of things here and there. But for the most part, I don't remember any of the things, but I remember the experiences. And for me, the reason why I really lean on collecting experiences is because I know that at the end of my life, I can look back and say, wow, I lived such a great life because I, I allowed myself to experience life and collected those things precious moments with family, with friends, with meeting new people, experiencing new cultures. That to me is way more precious, more valuable than, than anything, any gift that my husband could buy me or any gift that I could buy him or my family members, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so how can we, uh, how can we better prioritize ourselves? I'm going to give an exact example. So Let's say we have a particular uh, family member or selection of family members that we know uh, we don't always have, uh, what's the word? We don't, well, we don't relate as much to them. It's always a little bit more stressful to, you know, have to spend time with them or for whatever reason. And so there's that anxiety that, you know, having to come together and, put on a brave face and be, you know, be our best selves in an environment where we know that's going to be challenging. How can we prepare for that in from a self-care perspective? Like how can we, and even in the moment, remember to prioritize ourselves? Do you have any advice around that? Yeah, I mean, it can be difficult. Yeah, absolutely. If you have people in your life that maybe are energy drainers, uh, because you just, or maybe you just don't relate, you know, you could have, it could be that you have like years between you as, as siblings where you have someone who's 10 years older than you or 10 years younger and you're trying to relate. And maybe you don't, or maybe you have family members that you just, they just have different interests. To me, it's like the, the way to really prepare for that is to just say, you know what? It's okay. We are all different for, and that's okay. That's fine. How can I just approach this from being curious about the other person and being open that open to the the idea that their ideas are different from mine and be okay with it? It's just an opinion. It doesn't have to make their opinion true. It doesn't make my opinions true. Just how can I show up in that space and just allow us to to share time together and not worry so much about our differences? I think that can, unfortunately, I'm sure a lot of families have issues around that particular subject because maybe they don't get along. Maybe, maybe one of the people, one of the members in the family, they just don't get along with. But if you can just make time to find a way to enjoy your time together because we're only on we're only on this journey one cycle so we yes. you know if we can look at it that way you know you might not that that person that might 
rub you the wrong way, if you will, might not be here next year or tomorrow even. So if you can just allow yourself to be present in the moment and enjoy your time, being your best self too can influence someone else to be their best selves. Mm, yes, I say that. So that's all what the I time. would say. So true. So true. And protecting our own energy is important. So is there any other, um, you know, stepping outside of family, obviously, but obviously I know you work with a lot of um, business owners and coaches and things like, how can we protect our own energy and our and our own space in a situation where we feel like that? Yeah. So learn. So when I talked about the essentials, right, like learning to say no, um, one of the things that I talked about was protecting your time. So per, that that leads into personal boundaries. What are you willing to allow in? What are you not willing to allow? Are you, if someone is an energy drainer, for example, maybe you're able to steer the conversation to things that are more um, outside of the things that you disagree on. So that you can make that interaction more comfortable. But it's really hard because I think once we get into those situations, sometimes it can be hard to actually just automatically navigate that because you don't know what the other person is going to do. You can only control your actions. And so that's really what it comes down to is knowing that the only thing you have control over is how you show up. Um, there's, I have a saying, I, I wrote it down and it's, I can't control the world, but I can control how I choose to perceive it. So it's the same thing. I can't control another person's actions, but I can't, or what, what they say, their words, but I can, I can control how I react to it. So rather than being reactive and, and allowing that person to push your buttons, how can you just show up and just allow yourself to, be aware that maybe there might be a moment that happens and how can you show up in that moment? And the uh, the additional part to that is if you react badly, don't beat yourself up for it. Because if this is a relationship where it is, there's tension to begin with, then there might be tension, but be okay. Be okay with that. You might have had an actual natural response. I think a lot of the time we beat ourselves up when we have those emotional responses based on those types of relationships. And I, and, and it's, can, it can be hard. You can be harder, harder on yourself than that person would be because sometimes just saying, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to react that way is enough. But then on the inside of our brains, we're still beating ourselves up for it. Oh, yes. So that's what I we would do say. That <laughs> And that is a big thing as well when it comes to looking after ourselves is monitoring that internal voice uh, because we aren't always going to get it right. Do you have any uh, advice around that? Like how do we that, how do we monitor that and, you know, ooh. yeah. Yeah. Leave it well, at that and see I what mean, comes up for you. <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple of things. Well, first, I think like with that, you know, we have a couple of voices. I like to say we have an inner critic and we have an inner hero. So you have an, your inner critic is not necessarily always going to be bad. And I'll explain that your inner critic sometimes will be the one that will say that will maybe question a decision you want to make. And sometimes that's okay to listen for you to, to pause. 
Uh, one thing I've learned and I've started doing is a lot of times I get things come across my social media feed and they're interesting and I want to, to press yes. And so instead what I'll do is I'll give myself a week to think about it. And I know that can be hard sometimes, but I'll give myself a week to think about it. And usually what happens is uh, if I really, really want it, I'm going to do it. If I really, really don't want, if, if it's just a passing phase, you know, you know, just, it's not really what I want, but I think in the moment I do a week out from now, it's just going to fall off my radar. And I'm going to say, yeah, no, I'm not interested. So I think that is the first thing I would say is to, I'm going, now I got myself off track here, but I, I think it's really like allowing your inner critic to tell you it, to allow your inner critic to maybe steer you to pause is okay. But the inner hero in you is also the one who uplifts and supports you and can help and guide you. That's the voice that we could listen to more. But I find, like you were saying, what you don't want, that's the inner critic telling you all of the fears around things. Because what is our brain designed to do to keep us safe? So, you know, with the inner hero, what I like to say is that that's the voice where you step outside of your comfort zone and you've done things before that your inner hero is cheering you on for saying, hey, you did it before. That's why I say be mindful of the things that you do daily so that you can celebrate them at the end of your day, so that you can celebrate them at the end of your life. These are things that are going to help you. The, one of the other things, too, is that someone introduced me to, and I don't remember his name, but there's a gentleman that created this this exercise called the boardroom. And I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's oh. a, an exercise that I've done myself a few times when I've gotten into a, a place where I'm questioning, I'm scared. And what I'll do is the exercise really is to, to really sum it up real quickly is you bring into, you call a board me, a boardroom meeting. You're the, the person calling the meeting with your feelings so if you're feeling uh, uh, upset or angry or doubt, fearful, you bring in um, what you're afraid of, you bring in uh, your inner hero, you bring in your inner critic, you bring in a trusted friend, someone that you know, they don't know that you're, you're bringing them into the conversation, but you know, someone in your life that you know, like, and trust that can, that supports you, you bring, you call this meeting. And so you, as many, as many of the characters in that scenario you bring in and then you sit down and you have a meeting and you talk to them about what is it you want to tell me and what I've done as an example when I've been doubtful I'll go through the different characters that I've brought into my boardroom board what is it you want me to know like tell me tell me what you want me to know and then I will ask them okay well what do you suggest like what is it that you're telling me why am I afraid why is why is this fear so so high for me. And then what is it you're trying to tell me? Um, you know, one of the things like, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough will be in the room with me. And I'll say, why are you here? What do you want to tell me? And then I'll go to my inner critic. And I've had times where my inner critic will say, well, you know, we both know that it's not true, but I'm here to support you if you want to believe it. Mm. And that was a powerful thing for me to even think to myself. I said, whoa, wait a second. And then I turn to my inner hero and I'll say, what do you think? And she says, well, I'm with uh, your inner critic. You know, she, she knows what she's talking about. She knows that it's not true. You know that it's not true. And I'm here to support you. 
but that's up to you to make the decision. And so then what you end up doing is at the end of the conversation, the board board meeting that you have, and I know it sounds really weird, but you try it (laughs) and it happens. And what ends up happening is that you end the meeting and say, thank you, everyone, for your insight. I'm going to go and I'm going to think about what you told me. And then after you end the meeting and then you journal about it. And so much gold comes out of that because sometimes we need to get it off our chest, but usually it's up in our head. Like we're, it's in our brain and it's swirling around uh, in what I call the secret bubble of words that are like swirling around and around. And so when you can have that meeting and then you can journal about it and get everything out on paper, a lot of the time when you see it there, you're like, yeah, that's not true. No, that's not true. But you need to see it in mm-hmm. order to be able to say, you know what? I don't choose to believe that. Or, and if you do still feel feel that way, you can say, I'm open to the possibility of it not being true, taking that tiny step towards the positive. So that's kind of like how I've done it. Um, and that's just on my personal. I haven't used that with anyone else. Um, I know because it, it seems like a little out there for some people, but I just found it fascinating when my friend who's a coach uh, told me about it. And I thought, I'm going to try this. And so I do that every so often. And it's been very helpful. And as I said, it's just getting it off my chest because I'm thinking all of these things. And and just to be able to have that conversation, even if it's with just myself, is to really like work it through and be able to, to, to realize, oh, some of these things really are not true. Or this is, this is actually true. What you're telling me that you know that it's not true, but you're willing to support my, my belief that it's true. If I want it to be the negative, or you're willing to support me that it, it's not true so that I can move forward and, you know, empower myself. Let's just let that land for a sec. I love that. Gosh, that's so powerful because they were going to talk anyway. They're going to have that conversation whether you're in the room or not, and it is going to affect us. Uh, and I, it's not too out there for me. I mean, I my inner critic has a name. So if you want to name your own, I have a quiz. You can go figure it out <laughs> just for fun. But I think sometimes keeping it light like that is actually no, not I think. I know keeping it light like that makes it easier for us to move through because it's intense. Some of those thoughts that we have and some of the stuff that she shouts at us when we're stepping outside of our comfort zone or stepping into a situation where we feel anxiety like we're talking about, she is right there and the volume is so loud that we can't hear ourselves. We can't hear what's true for us. We can't make a decision or a choice to respond in a certain way because we can't even access that part of our brain because this is so loud. So bringing levity to that is a really great thing, I think, because it allows us to just see it for what it is and take the intensity out of it. And turn oh, it yeah, down. I always talk about I always talk about like the glass box. Like I have a glass box for her. And it's glass for a reason. It's like I'm going to put you in the box and I'm going to close the lid, which is soundproof and I can see you shouting away at me like you're still there I can still see you I can see you're saying whatever you're saying but I've turned the volume down I've shut you up so tight and now I can hear myself 
And I think that we have to accept that it is there for a purpose. And I love that you would be able to to, uh, see that as like she's there to support you or not and we get to choose. It gives us back our power. So powerful. I really love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because when you think about it, you – the – Henry Ford, I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been told he's not the only one that said this, but, you know, when he says, either you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. So mm-hmm. it's either you choose the negative or you choose the positive. It's your, it's your choice. And yeah. I think it's, that's why I think it's really important to take care of ourselves because a lot of the time what, what ends up happening, we get into this tug of war with our inner critic because we're tired we're on burnout road, I call it, you know, that we're, we're heading down to exhaustion and that's when we're at our most vulnerable. And when we're at our most vulnerable, that's when those doubts start to double down and the fears start to come in and pop in everywhere. And, and, and that's just because we're not taking care of us. But when you take care of yourself, you find you have less of those moments. Mm. So that's why I really feel like it's so important why and 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 why you also believe that self-care is so important because when we get into those moments of exhaustion burnout um the doubts start to come in it's really just because we're tired that's when our inner critic starts to double down especially when we're we've got deadlines we have big goals you know we're we're approaching the end of another year and i am sure there's people that are listening to your podcast today that said one year ago from last year today, they were going to be whatever it is that they decided and they never met that goal. And now they're looking at the end of the year approaching fast. And they said, okay, by the end of this year, they, they moved it probably. And they said, okay, by the end of this year, I'm going to do this X amount of whatever it is goals. But instead of looking at it, from a different perspective, which I always believe is so important for me, is it timing is more important than how much time it takes to reach your goals because you need to be in the right place to to the things that you're doing in your life. And sometimes we rush it. And part of that too, again, I feel like it's still self, it comes back to self-care because we get into those frantic states of mind. We start rushing and trying to make things happen. And then, you know, if we have launches or we have things that we're trying to sell and and we hear crickets, it's because it's coming from that low energy uh, place and you're not, because you're not taking care of you. When you have that high vibration, taking care of yourself, you find things are working for you um, a lot more smoothly. But again, as I said, everything to me, I mean, for me, everything is tied to self-care, to um, when you make breakfast, you're not just throwing something together, you're making something with, especially if you have a family, you're not just throwing something in front of them and saying, here, eat it. When you are, you're, I mean, you know, when you go out with your, your, your significant other to beautiful events. You are not just saying, oh, we're just going to put on some ripped jeans and a t-shirt because we're going to a beautiful event, but we're just going to dress the way we want to because that's just because we're just too busy. And you end up not really enjoying yourself because you didn't 
honor you. You didn't take time to like make yourself feel good about you. So you go out and have a beautiful evening or even to uh, going for a walk. Like for me, one of my the, one of my most favorite things to do on a, a daily basis is go for a walk because there's a lot of birds and squirrels and, and butterflies everywhere where I live. And it's so, it's so joyful to see when they're playing and then they stop and they're looking at me and it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? I try to stop and I try to like cross the road so that I don't scare them because I don't want them to run away or fly away. I want to be able to experience that. So I think every moment can be a self-care moment. It's how you look at life. And that's why I think everything ties into self-care, why I feel like it's the lifeblood to success in life and business, your personal life and your professional life. It really, truly is. Oh, that's so good. And what a way to to wrap everything up that we just said. I mean, it is tied back to self-care. And so is the feeling of that you know, that freedom just to show up and be you. Like it starts with taking care of ourselves. It starts with making the choice to choose you. Just choose you for once and then try choosing you again and see where you end up. Like you're going to end up in a much more free, beautiful, authentic place than if you just keep choosing everyone else and or keep choosing this version of yourself that everyone needs you to be or wants you to be. And, you know, we end up pretending, which is also exhausting, like I was saying earlier. So I love that. Oh, you're a wealth of knowledge, I have to say. Uh, And when it comes to self-care, I definitely uh, is an ongoing uh, journey for me to get better at. So I definitely am glad I've met you. For those that are listening that would like to get to know you more, and perhaps reach out, where can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so you can find me uh, in a couple of places. I think the best place to find me is either Facebook or you can find me on LinkedIn. I do have an Instagram account, but I cha- I, I've spelled my name a little bit off, a little bit odd. So <laughs> I kept the E off of my first name. I don't know what I was thinking when I did it, but <laughs> it was years ago and I never changed it. But yeah, I think the two best places to to really reach out to me is through uh, Facebook or on LinkedIn. Okay. Well, I can put those, all of those, including your unique Instagram handle in the show notes so people can find you. And uh, what would be uh, the best way somebody could, could work with you at the moment? What are you doing right now that can help people? Yeah. So I have, um, I'm working really closely now with women who are, have small teams. So if you have a a small team of like 25 or less, um, I can certainly, I'd love to be able to, uh, have a free consultation with you to see how self-care could, uh, really support you and your team, you know, supporting that wellness from the inside out mindset, uh, so that you have more, uh, more team building, more energy, more, um, you know, where the team is really uh, feeling supported because when you have employees or team members who feel like they're supported, that makes them want to come to work. That makes them show up. That makes them want to feel to make them feel like they're valued, which would then, uh, you know, help to reduce that absenteeism. You know, when you have self-care for, for not just the, your team members, but for yourself, that 
helps the, the team and yourself to really uh, double down on the importance of taking care of yourselves and you show up as better versions of yourself in the office or online virtually if that's how you meet. But it also helps you to then when you go home, you know that you're, you've done what you needed to do that day and you go home and you spend time with your families, you, you know, having that hard stop, which is really important, you know, and that's where the wellness from within really, you know, leans into is like family is important and those bonds are important to help you have that, that real quality of life outside of work. So, uh, and, and really it also helps with your bottom line. If you really want to keep your, the people in your, in, on your team. So you don't have to start looking for new team members. You don't want to have to start hiring and then having to train new people uh, on a regular basis, unless of course you're growing. Uh, then it really is important that you think about how can you uh, cultivate that self-care mindset within your business? Because that'll help you with hiring people that have that incentive that they know that they're valued and that you value yourself as well. That uh, those are the type of people that I definitely, if I was out there in corporate land looking for a job, that's who I'd want to work with. Someone who really, you know, values, you know, how important it is to take care of yourself. So that's really, and then I have workshops as well. So definitely I think would be the best thing is just to set up a call with me and see how, um, how I can support you. I love that. Thank you so much for bringing your wisdom to the show today. And you almost said my exact line earlier that I love to remind people of at the end of this show, and that is that this is not a dress rehearsal. This is it. This is your life and you get to choose how you live it or or not. But if you do choose, then you get to be very intentional about what you create. And I am here on this podcast with Leslie and all the other amazing guests that I have on the show or have had on the show this year to remind you and give you permission to choose yourself and to be the real you. So thank you, Leslie, again, for bringing uh, your beautiful self to the show. And I have a couple more amazing guests to close out the year that I'm very excited to bring you in the coming weeks. So until then... Remember, go out there, be you, look after you, and I'll see you on the next show. Bye.